Good morning. Welcome back. It's Thursday, July 20th, and it's episode 189. I'm Phil Brandt, and my partner in crime, uh, legal expert Bert Garland, is not able to be with us today. Um, Bert is off spending time with his father, uh, who is in his final stages of life. And uh, I've talked with Bert. He, he's doing well. Um, he says uh, hello to everyone. But here's what I'd like to do. I'm sure Bert's not listening. Um, today as he shouldn't be. Um, but here's what I'd like to do. Um, Bert has been an, an amazing co-host and partner on this program with me. Uh, from the very beginning, when we started this program 189 episodes ago, it was really for the purpose to help you all navigate through the, um, the crisis that we were having with COVID and shutdowns and so on. And from there, the program really has taken off uh, and it's now really an HR discussion on current events. And Bert does an amazing job bringing in the resources from the Ogletree Law Firm uh, to help us be up to date and navigate uh, uh, through these times. And, and he is on the program every week. He does a great job preparing. It's a lot of work. And he does all of that complimentary for our members. So if you're a regular listen, listener and you appreciate what Bert's done, I'm going to invite you to share your maybe your sympathies and prayers with Bert, but also your appreciation for his contribution to the program in the chat. If you would just chat that in, put your name in there. I know he'd appreciate seeing that. We've gotten to know so many of you so well through our chat feature. Um, and what I'm going to do is collect all those, put them together in a card for him, and we'll send those uh, off to him, and I'm sure that will bring a little smile to his face. So please join me in doing that. I would appreciate it, and I'll be sure to get that uh, to Bert on all of our behalves. Um, however, moving forward with the program, um, today we have a special guest on our program. Many of you know her because you work with her, Erin Smiley Miley. So I call her Smiley because she's always smiling. And Erin leads our membership programs and also our background verification program. And just a little bit about Erin. Um, when I started in this role 10, 10 years ago, almost now, Erin sat in the little corner in the back of the office and she just pounded out on the computer background check after background check after background check. And she didn't look up, but she was a workhorse uh, of an individual. And if she saw me coming, she stuck her head down even lower. And I was like the last person she wanted to talk to. But since then, she has uh, taken her career very seriously. She's extremely smart. She's gone out and uh, taken many of our training programs. And then she turned into the supervisor and the manager, and she's grown that even into our membership services now. She's just done a great job with her career. I couldn't be more proud of any person that we have on the AIM staff from where they started and where they are today. So Aaron, uh, you've just done a great job. I'm happy that you're on the program. I wanna get, a, uh, get started with a poll question. Here's the poll question for today. The question is, what is the top reason, the number one reason your organization does background screening? I asked that question because not everybody knows how to answer that question, but we should. So that's the question. You'll have a, a variety of selections to, to protect your employees, to improve hires, to protect company reputation. Maybe you're uh, regulated by the industry or there's compliance reasons. Maybe you don't do them. Nine out of 10 employers do background verifications, but there are those who don't. 
Maybe you stopped doing them because um, they've slowed down the hiring process because we know those that do background checks uh, can have a little bit of a delay. And maybe you do it for another reason and it's none of above. So I'd love to get your input into why you do that. Um, and with that, Erin, good morning. How are you doing today? Good morning. Thank you for the lovely introduction. <laughs> yeah, uh, you do a great job. And, and I know you're normally here at this time, so I'm happy to have you on the program. Um, and this will hopefully be um, the first of many appearances uh, by you. So let, let's get started with background verification, which I say, versus employment verification versus background check. We all we use these words interchangeably. We often mean the same thing, but they all mean something different. What just start with the warm up, the difference between the background verification or reference checking and background checks. Yeah, so background and, and reference are used in the same kind of terminology across the board. Um, you'll hear a company call their, their information reference screenings or background screenings. Um, it really comes in two portions. You have your criminal portion and then you have your verification portion of like credentialing. Um, so that will be your educations, your employment history, your professional licenses. Mm -hmm. um, even sometimes your driving records will fall under credentialing um, versus your criminal background, which is your state criminal record check or your federal or a database search. Um, so there's really two sides of the coin, but they use reference and background interchangeably for the industry. Yeah. And, and I, I asked that question because a lot of people say the words, we kind of know what they mean, but um, when they're talking to someone on the staff or in another firm, they're going, those words kind of become very important. And while most employers will definitely do a, um, a criminal record search, and that's what most people mean by it, not all folks look for reference searches, um, which is a whole nother process. But as we focus most of our discussion today on, on the criminal record search, let's just talk about the scope of a program, how and why is that important? Um, maybe you can get us started with that. Yeah, so really it comes down to, it, it depends. Don't you go acting like a lawyer. Now I know you deal with a lot of legal, a lot of illegal issues, but if you say depends today, Nick's gonna throw that up there, the exploding head of Burt Garland. Yeah, it's my favorite phrase to use, just like Bert, because um, it, it it really does. Um, it it goes to what you're looking to achieve with with the background program that you build. Um, so depending on where you want to go with that, you can kind of determine a scope search for that, right? Um, so there's an industry standard that follows the Fair Credit Reporting Act, which guidelines and governs the industry. Um, they have a standard seven-year search scope for basically all information. And then after that, you can only report conviction information. Um, that's their standard baseline. And most companies will fall in line with that with regards to reporting um, where state law allows because there are individual state laws. Um, so it's important to know how far back you want to look, what your industry standards are telling you that you need to look for and how far back you need to look for. Um, what you will be considering in your policies and procedures um, to help you design what you want to do. Um, I always say ask whoever you're approaching to, to perform your background checks for you or your reference checking 
ask them what their standard is or if they are willing to do something different that falls more in line with what you're looking to do for your program. So you, one thing you just mentioned, let's explore a little further, is you said, you know, how far back do you want to look? So I know there are there's laws and standards and risk associated with how far back in the history of someone that you look for, and particularly in today's age when, you know, we're trying to do everything we can with a forgive and forget uh, approach. I've done my time now, you know, I want to get a job and, and move forward. We want that for, you know, every uh, recovered recrim- criminal, I guess, if we can say it that way. Um, but there are laws and standards to follow. Just what are some of the best practices uh, that you should look for with your organization, whoever's doing the background check for you? Um, so whoever's doing the background, you want to look for a partner that understands that there are different laws in each state that they have to adhere to. Um, I do the extreme example where, you know, Kentucky, you can only get information for five years and you can only get conviction only information. So if you're looking to obtain information for 10 years, you may get it for other states, but in Kentucky, you may not. So really understanding, knowing that your partner understands that difference and understands what you can use as an employer Um, Because there's also the flip side where they may not do that kind of uh, pre-work for you. Um, They may just give you the information and expect you to know the state laws and how you can use that information as well. Um, So you want to partner with somebody that's going to provide you that kind of guidance and that best practice that you can then implement. Um, For example, AIM, we we do all that pre-work for you and we release information that you can utilize effectively in your decision-making process. We will not provide you something that we know that per state law, you are not allowed to use in your decision-making process. So that's something that we as best practice will do for our clients. So you wanna partner with a company that understands that element and can provide you that that kind of lean back on kind of support. Yeah, and and I and I know in some like some states in Kentucky is a, a good example, but there are many, and every county and state um, city has its own standards to follow, and that's what makes it really difficult, um, and why it's important to choose a professional agency because there are literally thousands of background check companies. Anyone with a computer. Uh, and a database can start the process of running background checks. Um, that that's not necessarily hard to do, but there there are difference between I have a, a you know a, a database on my computer and I'm going to start running background checks in my garage uh, versus a firm like AIM and other reputable firms that do this and are doing their best to follow all the rules and standards. What would be some of the qualifying questions you would want to ask your provider to ensure that you're getting the best service um, so that you make the best decisions with the least amount of risk? Yeah, so you'll want to ask them, you know, a couple of key questions. Um, and, and these are questions that I get all the time as well. Um, you know, how far back do you look? What is your standard reporting practice? Um have your do your employees understand the FCRA? So there are certifications your employees as a provider can take um, to better understand and get a deeper understanding of the Fair Credit Reporting Act and the laws. Um, you know what what do your searches include? 
like give me an example of what does a state criminal record do for me? Like what does this database do for me? Um, what kind of support? Do you have any authorization information that you can provide to me? Do you have any sample documents you can share? Um, you know, do I have a dedicated, you know, support rep or do I have a team that I can lean back on? Do you offer any kind of training? And I say training, meaning you, there are systems in place for the, the request and receiving of results. You know, you got to understand how those systems work. Um, so those are just kind of the baseline. I want to know what you have in place for that if you're going to be my partner for a background screen. And then the conversation evolves from there. Yeah. So also you want to know, and maybe you said that I was reading some of the chats and I got distracted. You're getting, Aaron, you're getting a little fan base here. You look amazing today as some of our chat with a big smiley face. So I know, you know, many of our members, but uh, you obviously have a little fan base going here. Um, Did you mention if they were certified and accredited with um, as a professional background screening association? (laughs) Well, I did not, Um, but that's because I know that there are only about 126 companies nationwide that have gone through the rigorous process of being quote unquote accredited um, with our professional background screening association. Um, So, you know, it's a rigorous standard in practice. You have to have a lot of written policies, procedures, documentation. Um, So not all companies tend to go through that. Um, because it is a, a high expectation of standards. Um, we at AIM have made that effort and we do have our accreditation. Um, but if you aren't going, even if you aren't going with an accredited firm, those questions should be your baseline when moving forward with a provider. But you have an extra set of um, security uh, if you go with a provider that is accredited. Um, because one of the reasons and one of the top reasons you would have a background p- company perform the checks for you instead of doing them yourself is to help you mitigate the risk to your company. Um, so we kind of take on some of the bar- burden and risk doing the searches for you if something should come back and doesn't align with um, like what, you know, a dispute process, that kind of thing. We kind of take that burden off of you um, so that you have um, less risk. So. Yeah. So, I, and I think that that's important. I know for us as an organization, for other organizations that go through that rigor is a lot of times you're, you know, trying to make sure that you're limiting the risk for the employer. There's a lot of risk with a background check. And mm-hmm. I can remember the day there wasn't. You get your check back of like felony that went in this pile, no felony went in that pile. It was just that easy. Um, and your team has to spend a lot of time and each team member works on becoming accredited and passing their test um, to be able to help provide guidance in making a decision when they have a, we call it a hit on their record. Uh, talk to us about that. What would be a, a normal practice that you would expect every provider to um, support their clients with? Yeah, so, you know, I would, as you're looking at your providers, um, and you heard me mention this, I want to know what kind of support that provider is going to provide me. You know, I mentioned training on this technology or if the company uses technology. Um, hopefully they do. <laughs> um, but, you know, I want to know that I can go through training for that. I also want to know that I'm supported in asking questions on things that I see being returned from what does this statute mean or what does this offense mean 
or, hey, I thought this was going to appear. Why didn't this? Or, you know, why did these dates not match on my employment verification? Or why did they say they can't find this, this person in their employment database? You know, things like that. You want to be able to call into someone and speak with someone um, or email someone directly and say, well, why? And the team here can help support that and help support you. Um, we won't make the decisions for you, um, but we will help inform you and give you the information you need to ask the right questions of that candidate to make your decision-making process. And at the end of the day, I'm always going to say, maybe consult your employment attorney when you're not entirely sure where you should go with the conversation at that point. Yeah, and I think that's that is a good time when it isn't clear on what you should do or not do. That you know, it's a good time to give Bert or your attorney a call and and talk through it with them. Um, and it is a very very complicated um, maze to go through. We're all keeping our fingers crossed. It's nice and easy. We get a, you know a clear record report and it goes back. Now, when we say a clear record report. There's not just one database that all of us as back criminal background checking firms can go to and get all the records. It would be nice that that's the case, but literally anyone can have a database and make it available with records in it. And not to suggest that temp agencies don't um, follow the most rigorous process. They have a business they're trying to run and, and they do their record checks um, but one good practice is to make sure that the temp agency is following the same process that the employer is, particularly if you're going to have um, a hiring model that includes temps to hire, right? So, hey, the way we like to bring people into our organization is we want to have you join as a temp and after 60, 90 days, whatever that is, we'll make a decision if we want to move you to a full-time permanent employee of our business or not. And you and I have seen this more than one time where the background check um, for the temp agency is done one way and searching one set of criteria that may not be as rigorous as the criteria that we at AIM have checked. And then when they go to hire the person full-time, the em employer runs a background check through us. And then we show all of a sudden some something different than what they learned through the temp agency. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the employer is in a really bad spot, right? They want to hire the person. They like the person. They thought the person had a background check and was clear only to come out to find out, you know what? They probably shouldn't have been working here all along based upon the company's standard. So that's an, a really important piece. But why does that happen? What what's What's happening in the background that gives disparaging or gives different information each time? Um, so you kind of already mentioned it. Um, no two databases are the same. It, it's never going to be that way. Um, and databases inherently have a somewhat flaw, um, regardless across the board. Um, you know, database searches rely very heavily on the data sources that are feeding into it, updating it in a timely, frequent and correct manner, manner, you know, data, you know, it relies on humans at some point, um, getting the information in there. So, 
you know, the temp, when you have a temp agency and you do attempt to hire kind of situation, what we end up experiencing most times here at AIM is that the temp agency is running a database that may not have the fullest and completest information available, um, or they're just doing the bare minimum because the database should never really be a standalone tool. Um, because of the timeliness of the information. I always advocate for what we call a quote-unquote physical search um, in conjunction with a database search, just because- Now, the... when you say physical search, Erin, we're not lining these people up and giving them the pat down. No, <laughs> no. Um, I mean, physical search in the fact that we actually go out to the court system and that county jurisdiction courts, um, and we'll go and access their databases on site. Um, through a court runner system that we deploy. Um, and a lot of companies do that same kind of method because we can't have hundreds of thousands of employees just on the ground waiting at those courts to, to access the information. We, we have a court runner program. Um, but that's what we mean by physical search. We're actually going to the main source point and pulling that information down um, to deliver the most accurate and up-to-date information. And your county searches are going to give you that it happened yesterday and it was an arrest kind of information. Um, and then it backs it out to the state and then it backs it out to a database. That's usually the, the flow of information. All right, Aaron, let's just take a quick pause. Nick, can you pull up the, um, the survey results? I'd like to kind of get a look at that. Maybe you can read them for me. Kind of hard for me to see on the, on the screen. Our, our top few leading uh, results are? Yes, so protect employees and customers. That is at 56.3%. Uh, behind that is industry-related or compliance. And uh, then we have about 12.5% is improved quality of hires. And we also have protect company reputation. Okay, so those are yeah, the top so. four. All right, those are great results. If you haven't put those in, let's, uh, let's get those entered. That's a, a good indication of what people are looking to do. And in that case, the criminal will be good. If you're wanting to improve the quality of hire, Aaron, as people are doing that, which is a really uh, a tough thing to do, particularly I was reading uh, in these comments, and I think it was uh, Dina here that was just saying that they don't check necessarily um, the person's career past because the quality of hires have decreased so much. Uh, and they're having a difficult time doing that. I also know that's where when we do reference checking on someone's past, we see a lot of disparate, different information, right? It's, they said they work somewhere, but they really work there as a temp, or they didn't have the company name right, or their dates were not correct, or maybe they never worked there at all because not all employers check work history uh, mm -hmm. in that. Where do you find most of the errors and or um, let's just call it difference of information that makes a background check come back and create, um, you know, something for us to look at and go, wait a minute, this doesn't really line up with the resume. Yeah, so for speaking um, particularly on like education verifications and employment verifications, the highest error there is that they haven't, one, completed a degree, but they say they did on their resume. So that's the largest discrepancy we see in educations where there's, they're still kind of attending. They haven't actually received that degree yet. Um, and then the other largest one is the employment verifications we see a lot of the time where 
they worked as a temp and they actually get paid through the temp agency, not the employer, but they'll put the employer that they worked with through the temp agency. And that's the largest discrepancy we usually see there. It's very rare that um, the resume doesn't really line up with the employment history. It's more common where it doesn't align with the education history. Okay, um, so the education history is uh, more common than employment history to maybe not be as accurate. And I know I see that on resumes. I'll see, you know, University of Missouri and then like, a year. And I don't know if that what means I went there for one year, I graduated during that year, or, or what the heck that means. Um, but it's carefully described or, or uh, disguised, if we can say it that way, um, maybe to lead me astray, or maybe not. But that's what you want to know. You don't definitely don't want to hire someone you think who has a degree into a particular position that requires a degree, um, and you were misled. Yeah. Yeah. And it also happens a lot with high school. So I don't want to just mention degrees there because high school, there's the GED and then the actual diploma. And some, some individuals will say that they got a diploma, not a GED. And it creates confusion because the GED can be given at any time in your lifetime, whereas the diploma usually lines up with your high school um, development. So that usually is a large discrepancy as well. Absolutely. I can see the difference. That. Let me um, do a few things. There are just all kinds of great comments in here um, for Bert and uh, your sympathies for him. Um, so thank you so much. Um, you still got time to make a comment if you hadn't. They're still coming in. There's two more new ones. Uh, there's too many uh, names here for me to read out, but I, I recognize almost all these names and uh, I know this is going to really put a little smile on Bert's face when, when he needs it. So thank you very much for, for that. Aaron, what's, what is uh, anything that I haven't asked that you think is important for people to know when they're choosing a provider? So the provider is your partner. It should be doing certain things for you to help you mitigate that risk, to help you make your decisions. Um, where I mentioned earlier, we won't make the decision for you, but I can answer questions for you. I can sit here and say, well, did you consider this when looking at this record? Did you consider this when looking at this record? Um, most of your background companies should be familiar with EEOC because that's also part of our industry. Um, and they have a list of questions that should be asked when you're considering potentially doing an adverse action based on a background. Um, and your provider should be able to walk you through those questions. If you're calling me and you have questions about a record, I'm going to sit here and ask you, well, what are they doing? What is this part? It depends because. <laughs> I'll be careful. Oh, I, was, I was really trying to avoid the it depends. Um, so, you know, I'm going to ask you a series of questions and I'm going to walk you through the process that you should be doing each time you are evaluating a background. Your partner provider should be able to do that for you. If they are not, then it may be time to consider a different provider um, because they're not working for you. They are actively working against you at that point. Yeah. And, and I just can't emphasize enough, whoever you use, I mean, I definitely am on the side of if it makes sense for your business to, to do a background check, you should. Um, I've never worked in an organization that doesn't do them. 
Um, but I do think it's important that your provider is able to help you go through the process um, and lead you with the right questions and maybe give you some insight that helps you make a decision. That is critically important. And I, if you're working with a provider that offshores the background checks, and some of them do that, um, those types of things, then you may not be able to get the help that you need uh, and so on. And I know there are many providers that just they, they give you everything that was ever in that person's past that you can't consider because of the law. And that really puts you in a really tough spot um, to do that. I know we just lost to Aaron, it looks like, um, but uh, we're getting ready to wrap some things up here anyway. I did want to talk a little bit about social media and background checks, because here's what I hear happening. Um, and you don't have to comment if you're doing this. Please just keep that to yourself. Um, but what I hear people doing is saying, you know, we don't really formally do social media checks, but I do them informally. I look up myself on their um, on their Facebook or I see whatever I can see that's made public. And I look for things that are um, maybe not aligned with our company culture or not aligned with uh, what we want to do from a hiring practice standpoint. And that is really risky business. Um, and that's a space you want to be very careful on. I think Bert would tell us if you were going to use social media as a, um, a background checking tool, that you would use that um, with a provider that knows what they're looking for and is only reporting with, yes, they're, they're, they're a good hire from a background screening standpoint of their social uh, media platform, or no, they're not. Um, but what happens is the EOC discourages it because you look on there and you might see somebody um, who has an alternative lifestyle or something like that, that um, doesn't sit well with you or your organization, or that person thinks you weren't hired because of that reason. Um, and that makes that information available to you when it really doesn't matter in the employment process. So you have to be really careful when you're looking at social media. And I, I don't think most people do it formally. I think it happens informally. And that's a big concern because that usually means we're doing it uh, maybe for one and not the other. And we want to do everything consistently. And that we're also maybe looking at things that will... Um, persuade our decisions that shouldn't persuade our decisions. And that's a very natural outcome of looking at a social media page. So those are things we want to be careful of. I just want to say one last time, thank you very much for um, sending these comments to Bert. I'm going to wrap them up uh, real nice. Nick and I are going to get them in a card and get them over to Bert. We appreciate all the work that uh, you did or all your contributions to making that a really nice touch for Bert. Thank you very much, Nick. Great job today on the program. Erin is out there in cyberspace. We lost her, but we're happy to have her on the program. And we will see you back here next Thursday at 7.30 Central Time. Bye-bye. Tell your story. Promote your products. Communicate with your employees and customers vividly, dynamically and powerfully. Whether it's a company video, recruitment video, online training, or live meeting, Feature Group can help you from scripting to highly polished finished production. 
Whether it's live or on demand, we have the skills and equipment to wow your audience and drive your message home. Feature Group USA, the one-stop shop for all your broadcasting needs.